you go and control F and try to find the word health and general plans throughout uh, Maricopa <laughs> County, you're going to find some. And it's probably because we were there. Part of what we do, I, I really think, is get the planners and the transportation engineers kind of off their butts and get them out into the community. And you exist because? Because without us, no one would be talking about how health and planning intersect. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Vitalist Spark Podcast. I'm your host, John Ford, and in this episode, we're continuing our journey of introducing you to key community health partners and resources. In our last two episodes, we introduced you to Sarah Brenner from Community Wealth Partners, a national consulting firm focused on developing and growing coalitions using well-honed frameworks and tools. Today, we're sticking closer to home and introducing you to the leaders behind a statewide nonprofit called the Arizona Alliance for Livable Communities. In case the name didn't give it away, the AALC focuses on making our communities more livable, more healthy, and more likely to support all aspects of well-being. And they do it by focusing on community design, the built environment, and policy levers like municipal general plans and zoning. In other words, the Arizona Alliance for Livable Communities is all about the intersection of planning and health, a place that was quite vacant for a number of decades, but you're about to learn is so much more active now. So let's get to it. It's time to get to know the 800-member-strong Arizona Alliance for Livable Communities. Today we've got two incredible gentlemen in the room. One of them goes by the name of Dean Brennan. The other one is Kenneth Steele. Together they are the co-chairs of the Arizona Alliance for Livable Communities. Kenneth, what is the Arizona Alliance for Livable Communities? And what are you guys looking to change in the world? The Arizona Alliance for Global Communities is a coalition of mostly professionals representing uh, different fields such as urban planning, public health, architecture, transportation, housing. And we come together to work on issues related to the health of all Arizonans. And our focus really is on planning and health and how those two things intersect. How do planning and health intersect, Dean? There's a long history. At the end of the what 1800s, early 1900s, there were a lot of issues with regards to health of residents in many of the larger cities in the United States. There were problems with water quality, sanitary sewer issues, and that's really where planners and health professionals came together and began a process of improving the larger cities and probably eventually smaller cities and encouraged the creation of local water systems, sanitary sewer systems, paving of streets, and inclusion of infrastructure that improve the life of the residents. Between that time and probably maybe 10, 15 years ago, the two professions basically grown apart. From a planner standpoint, we didn't feel it was our responsibility to deal with health issues. And I'm sure probably there were many health professionals that felt that there was not their responsibility to deal with planning issues. But again, as I mentioned 10 or 15 years ago, there was this growing recognition that one of the major problems that contributes to poor health was the way that our our physical environment is designed. And that is point in time when I think I'll have to probably give credit to health professionals for initiating the discussion. The health professionals started talking with planners and discussing what could be done or what needs to be done to improve the physical environment uh, to provide a healthier environment for residents in a city like Phoenix or any other city in the U.S. 
And since then, I think that relationship has continued to grow. And I think there's this ongoing collaboration and partnership between the two professions. And I think overall, we're having a very positive impact, or at least we're certainly making a lot of people aware of what some of the issues are, and more importantly, what solutions we can put in place to create a more livable community. Would it be fair to say that 15 years ago, 10 years ago, that the two of you wouldn't even be sitting in the same room talking? One health professional, one planner? I think we might be talking, but I don't know that we would be, at that point, I'm not sure we'd be speaking the same language because I think planners and health professionals would come to the issue or come at the issue kind of from different directions. And I think that, again, we've slowly, you know, we started talking then and we're, we've spent a lot more time talking since then. And I think we're now, from the standpoint, again, of our partnerships or collaboration, more in tune with what the other profession is thinking or what the other profession has in mind as far as making changes to the physical environment. Kenneth, how long has ALC been running? And I assume the two of you started it together. Yeah, the ALC has officially been together since 2014. Um, and Dean and I, I believe we've been co-chair since 2015. So it's been four years or so of that. Prior to 2014, when the AALC was formed, there were actually two separate coalitions that had been working on similar issues. So those two coalitions joined together through a process back in 2014. But this kind of work has been going on here in Arizona probably since about 2010. Dean, correct me if I'm wrong. It's probably been even maybe longer than that. I know in 2001, I co-authored a book having to do with safety in the physical environment. And at that time, I was contacted by an individual, in fact, with St. Luke's Health Initiatives, and she wanted to talk about this specific topic relative to the safety issues, but more importantly, the impact that that has on the health of residents. It's been 15, maybe almost 20 years now that we've been having those conversations between planners and health professionals. So in the last five years that AALC has been in existence, what have you guys been up to? A lot of the work that we've been doing has been engaging with municipalities, whether those be cities or towns or also counties, on long-range planning processes. We engage with cities as they create or update their general plans. And more recently, we've gotten engaged in transportation plans, especially active transportation plans that have been focused on infrastructure that help with pedestrians, bicyclists, folks that are accessing transit facilities and things like that. But a lot of the work has been around general plans and getting health and equity into the equation when those processes are happening. So presumably, these general plan updates and transportation and plan updates, those are all going to happen whether or not AALC is in the room. So what do you guys bring to the table? Yeah, that's right. Cities and towns are required by state statute to have general plans and to update them periodically. So they're going to go through those processes regardless. But if AALC weren't involved, then health wouldn't be part of the conversation. Health wouldn't be in that room when they're discussing uh, the goals of the plan the policies they want to include in that plan overall, kind of the vision they have for their communities as they develop in the next decades. So you guys are holding that space for health. And how do you do that when you're doing a transportation plan? What factors do you bring to the table? Well, in a transportation plan, they're going to be gathering data. Uh, they're going to be looking at, you know, traffic volumes. They're going to be looking at where there are zero car households. 
versus where there are households that have more cars. But one thing that we bring is data to help these planners identify and make the connection to how having infrastructure that helps to support active lifestyles or even just to be able to get where you need to go can help to inform decisions in ways that can improve health. So some of the data will help with that. Data is extremely important. I think it's good that we bring that to the table. Going beyond that, I think that what we also bring to the table is a recognition, the physical environment, the context of how it's how it's being used by the community residents, how it's being used by adults and senior citizens and children. And I'm not sure that the professional planners, the professional transportation engineers, whatever, have a good understanding of that information. And I think that it's critical that they understand how the community uses the spaces that have been created as it relates to feeling safe and having the opportunity to live a healthy lifestyle. So part of what we do, I, I really think, is get the planners and the transportation engineers kind of off their butts and get them out into the community, driving around and looking to what what is the reality, what is the pedestrian environment, what is the bicycle environment, as well as encouraging them to interact and learn from people in the community who are pedestrians and who are bicyclists, and what are the issues that they face, how might the planning process address some of those issues. Dean, you yourself are a planner. Yes, but now you're a translator for the community. Well, I think I've learned a lot from health professionals. And I think part of it is that health professionals have a keen sense of what goes on in the community, have a keen sense of how people are using the physical spaces and the physical environment in the context of what they're doing that can contribute to health. It's kind of an approach that is not necessarily part of the planning profession. I think there are planners that are very sensitive to what, again, the physical environment and to how people are using that physical environment, but they don't necessarily translate what they've learned or what they know into how that impacts the health of community residents. And I think that that's been a really important part of what AALC has done is, again, to educate the professional planners and educate people who are policymakers as well as decision makers. In fact, let's talk about the City of Phoenix and the 2015 General Plan Update. Dean, could you have ever imagined that the fifth largest city in the United States would have three core pillars and one of them would be health? No, I was really amazed when they were going through the process. And part of what the ALC was involved with was working directly with city staff, assisting them in identifying potential goals and policies to incorporate into the General Plan And I think at the first meeting where they identified those three pillars, I think I was really very surprised when they said that health was one of those pillars. And I think that was really kind of a turning point from my standpoint relative to how we would work with the city. And it was really important that the city, at least from the standpoint of the three pillars, recognize that health was a critical part of what they needed to be addressing through the general plan. The Arizona Alliance for Livable Communities played a huge role in the 2015 general plan update for Phoenix. As you reflect back on that moment of surprise, what work that AALC did played into making that magic moment happen? I think 
because of previous work we had done with the city, the focus and emphasis on healthy communities and healthy community design, I believe that they learned from that discussion and that they did understand that health plays a very critical role in the livability of not only Phoenix, but any city, along with what we brought to the table and the discussions that we had, as well as I think they were beginning to hear those kinds of discussions during some of their public meetings. And they had an advisory committee, and I think there were a couple of people on the advisory committee who also carried that, that health message forward. So it was really very exciting that the planners for the city of Phoenix evidently heard what we said and accepted that that was a direction they needed to go with the general plan. So you didn't do it alone, but in fact, there was a great contribution here between the community, between other voices, and that of AALC continually being at the table that made that happen. Yes. Oh, definitely. So that's pretty amazing. You guys have a fantastic organization. Now, we've talked about transportation. We've talked about general plans. There's more to healthy communities than just transportation. Talk, for example, about some of the work you've done in food. Yeah, so with 2015 Phoenix General Plan, for example, we were able to get a healthy local food system component into the general plan, where some goals and policies were set for the city about how they could improve access to fresh produce, community gardens, or farmers markets, or more full-service grocery stores for City of Phoenix residents within that plan. Having that component in there has led to other initiatives for the city, including some goals in their sustainability plan, which looks at long-term goals for the year 2050. And then more recently, the city is in the process of implementing a City of Phoenix food action plan. So a lot of that stemmed from us getting a focus on food within that general plan. And also, of course, with some great city staff being able to support it and push it forward. In fact, Dean, just before we uh, sat down to do this, you were on the phone with a statewide network of food folks, right? Yes, that's correct. The group, the Arizona Food System Network, that is in the process of preparing a statewide food plan. This is a project that grew out of the food summit that was held in April 2017. One of the goals that came out of the food summit was that there would be a five-year food plan prepared that would serve as a guide for specifically the Food Advisory Council, which is part of the Arizona Department of Agriculture, but in the broader context for any group in Arizona that was interested in participating and assisting with development and strengthening of the existing food system. There were a lot of general plan updates in the last five years. You guys have basically been all over the state, correct? Yes, primarily Phoenix metropolitan area. And I think in almost all of the general plans that we've had an opportunity to assist with, we've certainly focused on healthy community issues, healthy community design, providing healthy lifestyles, as well as talking a lot about access to healthy food and the importance that that plays in the context of providing a healthy, livable community and over time contribute to sustainability for the area. So we talked a little bit about transportation, but I want to circle back to that just for a second and talk about a very detailed portion of that, and that's complete streets, which AALC also played a huge role in in terms of forwarding that concept in Arizona. What are complete streets? Talk about the work that has been done so far and where you'd really like to see it go. Sure. So complete streets is typically implemented with some sort of a policy or ordinance, and it can be at the city level or at the state level. And essentially what it does is 
it causes transportation departments and transportation planners and engineers to think about whenever they're building new streets, whenever they're renovating existing streets, how can that street be more accessible and user-friendly for all ages and all abilities. So whether someone needs to walk or bike or roll or use their mobility device or wheelchair, how can that street become more comfortable and more accessible and more safe for all users? And that also includes vehicles. And it's really about streets designed for people as opposed to streets designed for cars, right? Yeah, that's the main idea is that people will be able to feel comfortable using these streets and you wouldn't be fearful about biking on this street or walking on that street. So anybody who lives in Arizona might think that this is a relatively foreign concept based on the way the built environment exists now. How hard has it been to have these discussions with cities and what types of successes have you seen so far? I feel like all cities are on board with having that discussion. They know these things are important, but in terms of actually implementing complete streets, There are some barriers, uh, whether real or perceived, about additional costs or changes in the way that these entities are going to have to do their work. So it might appear to be a big challenge. One success, obviously, that we've had is with the City of Phoenix and the AALC uh, was involved in City of Phoenix Complete Streets Working Group, where we partnered with the city and developed some draft language for a Complete Streets Ordinance by reviewing some of the best complete streets policies that exist throughout the U.S. And this was, you know, work that happened well over four or five years ago. But eventually the city was able to adopt an ordinance, pass a more specific policy for how that ordinance would be implemented, and then also develop some design guidelines. With that being said, I think there's still more work to do for exactly how these things play out in the day-to-day jobs of the street transportation department of going out and fixing streets and building streets. One more stop on the transportation line here. Another concept that we want you guys to sort of demystify and explain to us why it's important. Vision Zero. What is it? Who's working on it here in Arizona? And What's the thing we're after? What's the goal? What's the purpose? And this is not a new concept. It's probably a new concept for Arizona, but it's a concept that's been used in Europe for a number of years. It's used in several of the larger cities in the United States, uh, New York City, Chicago, Portland, Seattle. Basically, when they say vision zero, the idea is that over time, the number of pedestrians who are killed in a city would be zero. And that's why it's called vision zero. And in many cities, it's been fairly successful. If nothing else, it has brought that particular issue, the issue of pedestrian deaths and and bicycle deaths, to a greater awareness from the standpoint of the residents of a community. People are more in tune with some of those issues and some of those concerns. And because of that, Vision Zero has become a tool that cities have used to begin the process of making changes And many times those are not only lowering the speed limit, but actually changes to the physical environment to make it safer for pedestrians and for bicyclists and to get motorists to be more aware of of the need to share the road with, with pedestrians and bicyclists. Yeah, so this is the interesting part about both Complete Streets and Vision Zero. Behind both of those is a mindset shift that an individual on a bicycle or an individual walking or an individual using a wheelchair is not a road nuisance, but in fact, a valid user of the street, right? 
Yes, definitely. We kind of got to this point where streets are just for speed and for cars, and that's become incredibly unhealthy for us. Streets then become less connectors of people than they do become throughways for machines. Is that a bridge too far, what I just said? Well, no, and we, we've created a hostile environment for pedestrians and bicyclists. So people don't necessarily feel safe walking along an arterial street or riding on an arterial street. And uh, because of that, I think we can assume they probably get less exercise than they would if they were in a more comfortable environment. Can you talk a little bit about what's going on with Vision Zero here in the Valley? Because we do have at least one city that's pursuing Vision Zero, correct? Yeah, that's right. The city of Tempe is the first city in Arizona to adopt a Vision Zero policy, if you will. So they started with a resolution that was unanimously passed by their city council. And then since then, they went on to develop a Vision Zero action plan to engage some stakeholders in that process and develop some strategies for how that city can, in fact, get to zero serious injuries and zero fatalities on the streets. And is AALC involved in that? Yeah, the AALC was involved in the city of Tempe's Vision Zero effort. There was an initial visioning workshop, and then following that, there were some work groups that were focused on engineering, on enforcement, on education, and a couple members did participate in those work groups and work with the city to develop their action plan. So, hey, there's more to this than just food and transportation. What other sectors? are you all working with, say, for example, climate change or tree and shade and walkability? AALC has been involved in discussions, particularly in Phoenix, as it relates to shade, providing additional shade and working with the community to follow up on implementation of the tree and shade plan that was adopted I think over 10 years ago. This was a plan that was put together by city staff. It went through public review, went to city council. It was adopted by city council, approved by city council, and nothing was done. There were basically, as a result of the plan, there were basically no changes as far as the approach the city takes to planting trees or maintaining trees or no additional trees planted until probably two years ago when the group Tree Matters was formed. There hadn't been a real emphasis placed on additional trees in Phoenix. As a result of some work that was done by a citizens committee a year and a half ago, and there was a member of AALC who was part of that group, there was actually a draft ordinance prepared by that citizens committee, and that was submitted to city council. Council reviewed that. They didn't take any real action other than moving forward with identification of a subcommittee of what at that time I believe was the Environmental Quality Commission. And the subcommittee, which dealt with, as you might guess, trees and shade, came forward with some recommendations. Those are recently reviewed, I I believe, were adopted by the City Council and the AALC members were part of that discussion and expressed our support for the recommendations for that subcommittee. Anything you want to say about climate action? Well, one thing that's interesting is the city of Tempe is also a forerunner in developing a climate action plan for the city, just like they were the first to adopt Vision Zero. You know, they're kind of one of the front runners for climate change in terms of developing an action plan. And from what I've seen, you know, some of our partners have been advocating primarily that the city would pay real close attention to how they can better engage residents that are most vulnerable and the ones that are being most impacted by the effects of climate change. You know, if we look at measuring temperatures throughout the city or throughout the county or throughout the state, there are actually certain hotspots. And what happens is it tends to be that those hotspots are also in communities where folks tend to be lower income or 
in communities where folks are experiencing health disparities due to kind of inequitable policies or inequitable distribution of resources that help for places to be cool. So I think likewise, as other cities begin to develop long-term climate action plans, the ALC would definitely want to be involved to advocate for actually engaging with the community in an authentic way to hear about their experiences and use that information to really inform the planning process. So this is really the key thing. You guys live in the policy world. You live in the world of plans, of working with municipalities, and yet communities who really need to be able to speak to these policies aren't connected to that. It feels like AALC plays this really crucial role of making that connection between what the community is experiencing, what the community wants, and what needs to be in policy in order for that to improve. Does that sound about right? That sounds really good. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yeah, to a certain degree, we understand how the system works, or in some cases, how it doesn't work. And maybe we have the opportunity to participate in the public policy process. I think there are many people who are impacted by the way the community has been designed and built, but they don't have the opportunities that we have with regards to participating in the public process and bringing those issues before policymakers and decision makers. And so I think with the expertise that individuals from the AALC bring to the table, I think it's a good way for the story to be told. From that standpoint, the AALC plays a really critical role in the creation of public policy and regulations. And it seems like AALC has been the one that has brought the new stuff to the table. The Complete Streets Working Group. Again, we know Vision Zero has come from a lot of different places, but being a major supporter of Vision Zero, the types of work that may not have actually occurred if it were not for the existence of this organization. I would certainly agree with that. I think that that's an important role that the AALC has has assumed or taken on is to bring those new ideas that we see or are aware of from other communities and bringing those to the Phoenix metropolitan area or to the state of Arizona. As you're going forward, what is AALC offering to cities, to towns, and also to people who are interested in creating healthier communities. You know, one thing that we've talked about today is how we've tried to be on the cutting edge of new issues like Vision Zero or climate action plans. And I think that we want to continue to create that space where if your organization or even just you individually are interested in a policy-related topic that you know impacts health and you're just not sure how to navigate it, we want to come and have that discussion with you and talk about, you know, who else has already done this? How can we learn from other cities? How can we learn from other states? Digging into other approaches that people have undertaken or make a connection to a relationship that us or one of our members might have with maybe someone that you need to talk to and just begin that conversation. So there you have it, dear listeners, an open invitation to connect with the Arizona Alliance for Livable Communities anytime you are trying to approach an issue related to the intersection of planning and health. Kenneth and Dean, thank you so much for visiting us here at The Spark, but more so, thank you for your tireless efforts in working statewide to help create healthier community design initiatives and for always being on the cutting edge of developing possibilities nationally that you can bring here to Arizona to improve health and well-being. We got a lot more episodes coming your way, like a lot more episodes. 
everybody wants to be able to better tell their stories, and that's our next focus area, which means you've got the opportunity to learn from a master storyteller, all in about the space of your next daily commute. To make sure you get that episode, and every episode when it is released, be sure to reach into your podcast app right now and subscribe to The Vitalist Spark. As always, remember this, with great responsibility comes great power. We'll see you back on the road to well-being soon.